From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, Republican leaders should take note of former President Trump's announcement yesterday. Today, in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter. That is why people love President Trump. He's a fighter. And while they're not in the majority, there are fighters in Congress who are willing to fight for conservatives and conservative ideas. And most importantly, fight for the Constitution. We'll be joined by one of them in just a moment, Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe. He's teaming up with others in Congress to take on big tech. We'll also talk with him about the White House actually being called out by the Washington Post for claiming it was Republicans who were defunding the police. Now, how they ever thought they could get away with such a blatant lie, so blatant that the liberal media called them out on it, is quite frankly beyond me. And next week, civil society leaders are picking up the torch of religious freedom that the Biden administration has allowed to flicker on the ground since taking over for the Trump administration. Former ambassador at large for religious freedom, Sam Brownback, is here to tell us about next week's international Religious Freedom Summit. Speaking of religious freedom, our friends at First Liberty secured another victory, this time with the IRS. The IRS has apparently rethought their unconstitutional and discriminatory actions against a Christian ministry in Texas that was seeking a nonprofit status from the IRS. Leah Patterson with First Liberty is here with the details. As promised, I am not going to leave the issue of critical race theory in the classrooms of America until it leaves the classrooms. But I'm not alone. There are conservative leaders in Congress committed to do the same. North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop is here latest on the uh, here later on the latest on the critical race theory in America's classrooms. Let me encourage you download the Stand Firm app. You can download the app at the App Store. Stand firm this way. No matter where you are in the world, you can make sure you have access to Washington Watch. But more importantly than that, not only will you be able to listen to Washington Watch, but this is your means of knowing what to do, when, and how. And so I want to encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. We uh, will send you alerts when you need to take action. Also, also, a resource for you, a very important resource. Now, from time to time, you'll hear me actually talk about this specifically in these words. I do it every day in practice. But what we're doing here at the Family Research Council, and what I'm doing here in Washington Watch, is we we give you a look at the news and the events from a biblical worldview. We operate from a biblical worldview. What is that? Well, that is how... Christians, looking through the lenses of Scripture, should look at the events around us. That's why we can, number one, be hopeful, regardless of what is happening, but it also instructs us how we're to be engaged and be involved and how we're to look at these things. Recently, we launched the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council, and already we've got a number of publications out, issues that that deal with issues like political engagement. What does the Bible have to say about that? Human sexuality, does the Scripture speak to it? Absolutely, it does. Pro-life engagement. What does the scripture have to say about abortion, about the sanctity of human life? And religious liberty. Does the Bible speak to that? Yes, it does. Well, 
you can have these resources at your fingertips. If you'd like to know more about these publications and new publications in the works, then I want I want you to do this. Text the word worldview. That's one word, worldview, to 67742. That's 67742. Text the word worldview. Now, um, messages, uh, me- the message data rates may apply to this. Uh, reply stop to cancel. Help for help. Visit frc.org slash text for terms and conditions as well as our privacy policy. I'm required to say that. Uh, anyway, text the word worldview to 67. 67- 742. Okay, yesterday, former President Trump announced that he will lead a class action lawsuit against Twitter, Facebook, and Google over alleged censorship. Now, you may recall that those are the three big tech companies that removed him from their platforms after the events of January the 6th. Now, I think they were just waiting for a trigger, for an opportunity to do that, to pull the trigger, uh, to remove him. I mean, they've been they want to control what's out there. They did not like the fact that the president in 2016 used those platforms to successfully gather the support and win the White House. Again, this is why people like the president. He's taking the gloves off and he's fighting. But also yesterday, House Republicans on the Judiciary Committee announced an agenda that would speed up and strengthen antitrust enforcement. It would hold big tech accountable for censorship and increase transparency around tech companies' content moderation decisions. Joining me now to talk about these latest efforts against big tech is Congressman Greg Stubbe, who serves on the House Judiciary Committee. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Florida, and he's one of those guys fighting for the things we care about. Uh, Greg, welcome back to the program. Let's uh, talk about this proposal. What is being proposed to go after big tech? We don't have exact language like that for the year of the break in the proposal, but what I can tell you is one of the, the tiers is accountability, and that is Section 230. And I have a bill that addresses Section 230, and until you go after their liability protection under Section 230, you're not going to be able to address all of the things that they're doing to censor conservatives. Okay. All right, we're we're having some audio difficulties there. We're going to get him. Um, we're going to get Greg back on by uh, by phone. Um, so this is what is taking place. The Judiciary Committee been working on this. Ken Buck, another member from uh, Colorado, been working on it. Uh, yesterday, also, uh, we had uh, Jim uh, Jim Jordan from Ohio. Kind of, he is the ranking member. Uh, he announced that they're working on this now. Here's the reality. They're in the major, uh, the minority right now. Hopefully that will change. And this is laying the groundwork. That's why this is important. You know, when the Republicans are in the minority, that they are pushing these things forward because it gives the American people a, a choice. They can choose as to which party they want to support, a party that is content with big tech, throttling back and silencing free speech or a party that is for free, fair speech for all people, allowing that to take place in what has become the virtual town square. I mean, this is what big tech has become. And so uh, these special provisions that they get, you hear the president talk about Section 320, this is the special provisions they get that, protect them 
from liability where if they, for instance, they silence me, I can't sue them. I, I can't take any action against them because they have immunity under the federal law. All right, I think we've got uh, we've got Greg now by the phone. Greg, uh, welcome back. We had we had difficulty hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Great, great. Okay, so explain what is being proposed to go after big tech and hold them accountable. Well, what the leader and what Ranking Member Jordan want to do is kind of a three tiered approach: accountability um, um, and other issues as it relates to antitrust. Until you go after their liability protections, Oop, I think we lost him again. We're having some uh, some technical issues here. Can you hear me? Let's see if we get him back on. We'll try this again. Maybe the third time will be the the charm. But again, let me go back. The can you hear me? Oh my gosh! President of the United States which they did, um, you can silence anybody. Nobody's free speech. Okay, I think we got it back. Greg, you're back on with us. Greg, you there? Oh, Greg? All right. Well, we're, we're still having some challenges here. So the point here is the president is bringing, the former president is bringing a, a, a really keen focus onto this issue, which... Now you've got conservative members in Congress uh, who have been fighting this. I mean, this is not a new fight, but this is going to give the American people a choice. And that's why these issues are so important, just like the uh, Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which Nancy Pelosi has continued to to uh, refuse to allow a vote. That's the bill that if if a baby is born alive, even though. Uh, a an abortion is attempted that at least medical attention would have to be given to that child just like it would any other infant they've blocked that they've continued they blocked it in the last congress and they continue to block it that's giving the american people a clear choice between the two parties now here's something else i want to talk about um i played this clip last week but i want to play it again as a reminder because the washington post of uh, of all places. I mean, this is how bad, how blatant this lie was from the White House that even the Washington Post, even the Washington Post, uh, gave the White House three Pinocchios uh, on this. Let's play uh, the clip number four, please. So look, Republicans are very good at uh, staying on talking points of who says defund the police, but the truth is they defunded the police we funded crime intervention and a whole bunch of other things. All right. That was uh, Cedric Richmond, actually a former colleague of mine. We both served in the Louisiana House together. Uh, he is now a, uh, a top advisor to, uh, to President uh, Biden. And, and he was on Fox News Sunday. And he was talking with Chris Wallace, claiming it was the Republicans who defunded the police. And again, as I said, the Washington Post had no choice but to call them out and give them a three, give them three Pinocchios on this. I think we got Greg Stubbe back on. Congressman Stubbe, are you back with us? I hope so. Can you hear me now? 
I can hear you now. All right, we're talking about the defunding. I'm going to move on to to that issue because we just got a couple minutes left. Uh, the, the, the Washington Post calling out the White House for claiming it was the Republicans that are defunding the police. Well, and thankfully, the Washington Post actually said, look, they're, clearly that's completely factually inaccurate. Voting against a COVID proposal of money that goes to local governments isn't voting to defund the police departments. And you've had Democrat-run cities and Democrat-run towns all across this country and states that have been defunding the police for a year now. So to say that Republicans are doing that is a complete and blatant outright lie. And I'm glad that at least the Washington Post had no other choice but to say for what the facts were, that that actually wasn't what we were voting for. And the Democrats continue to try to distance themselves from this because they know it's a bad political issue for them going into the 2022 midterms. Yeah, this is a classic. The Democrats are like a cat in the sandbox trying to cover what they've been doing um, because it is their actions that have led to the increase in violence, in murders, in crime, and now they're trying to blame the Republicans. Greg, we're going to have to get you back on when we can uh, get a solid connection. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. All right, coming up next... Well, that connection with Sam Brownback is going to be a little better here. He's going to be joining us. Uh, he is the former ambassador large for international religious freedom. And next week, next week, uh, civil society is picking up the flickering torch of liberty that uh, for religious liberty that the Biden administration has neglected. We'll talk about it next with Sam Brownback. Don't go away. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. 
Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, next week, from July the 13th through the 15th, hundreds of leaders representing civil society and religious groups from all over the world will gather in Washington for the International Religious Freedom Summit 2021. Now, this year's civil society-led summit will build on the momentum started by the government-led ministerials that were organized under the Trump administration to advance religious freedom. Secretary Mike Pompeo, first thing he did, tasked uh, Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom, to call together leaders from across, uh, around the world, rather, uh, to Washington, D.C., for the ministerial to advance religious freedom. Well, that's not happening with uh, the government driving it now, so civil society is picking it up. Uh, the, uh, the the sold-out event is supported by more than 60 diverse partners, including Family Research Council. So joining me now to talk about the gathering is uh, the uh, co-chair and organizer behind the summit, former ambassador for at-large for international religious freedom, Sam Brownback. Sam, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks, Tony. Always good to join you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing quite well. Thank you very much. Tell us how this summit came to be. Well, uh, the Lord leaned on me last fall, and uh, really the idea just hit at that point in time that we needed to continue to do this, uh, that we'd made so much progress on religious freedom, on issues around the world, raising the profile, elevating the issue, that we really needed to continue to press it on forward. And we needed to move it to civil society because civil society is constantly concerned about this. Governments have different opinions. They come and go. They, they have different emphasis. But we've got these civil society groups that this is their passion. Uh, and so we put this together and now have um, nearly 70 groups uh, that are co-sponsoring this from around the world uh, to a sold-out event, and I think you're going to see this be the new model to move forward the grassroots effort to instill religious freedom around the world. Now, it's being led by civil society, but will government leaders be there speaking? They will. Uh, it's a bipartisan event. Uh, Katrina Lantos Sweat and I are the two co-chairs. Her husband and father were both Democrat members of Congress. Uh, we've got Democrat and uh, Republican House and Senate co-chairs, and then we'll have uh, three administration officials uh, speaking at the event. 
along with a number of parliamentarians from around the world and civil society groups. So other than this being led by civil society as juxtaposed to being led by the the government, what are some of the other differences between this and the ministerial that you helped lead uh, at the State Department? Our emphasis will be really how do we move the movement forward, Uh, not so much the governments. We want to change governments in most places around the world to have them embrace religious freedom. But the movement itself is about really energizing the civil society and the religious groups around the world to come together and to stand for each other's religious freedom. So we will have groups, there'll be Christian groups, but there will also be Jewish and Muslim and Hindu and Buddhist and uh, Zoroastrian and atheist. We'll have all sorts of groups with one common mantra, and that is religious freedom for everybody, everywhere, all the time. And we want to push the governments uh, to to make sure that that takes place. And Tony, if we don't see religious freedom for everybody around the world, we will see the clash of civilizations continue to take place, like we're witnessing even now in Africa and in Asia. And I'm afraid that trend's going to grow if we don't see this fundamental human right protected. And I agree with you 100%. This is a fundamental human right. And where we've talked about this before, where that right is protected and nurtured, all of society benefits economically, stability in other realms of society. But how central and key of a role does civil society play in this issue? It's the agitator. It's the promoter. It's the pusher. Uh, it's the group that, that says, look, we're just not going to stop until we realize our mission, which is to get this religious freedom for everybody. Uh, and that's why I think is just so central about this moving to the civil society groups, because they're not going to quit. Uh, they don't change until this is taking place. And we have such a high level of persecution taking place around the world today. Uh, Christians, highest ever. Uh, but also, we've had the human rights project around the world be in decline. And I think one of the fundamental reasons is because religious freedom has been in decline. And when that one's in decline, I'm afraid it really provides an easier slope for a lot of other human rights to decline. Uh, Ambassador, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but there has been a, a charter of religious freedom that's been drafted uh, that will be presented at this summit. Uh, tell our listeners about that. Uh, the charter is an agreement between all the religious uh, groups that are here uh, in a, an agreement about what this human right is all about. This is not a charter of a common theology because we don't agree about theology. We don't talk about theology. But it is about what we have in common of this fundamental human right. So it stands up for the dignity of the individual to choose, to change, uh, to pursue God in their own personal but peaceful way. Uh, and that charter then spells those issues out. We'll also have issues that we'll pursue, uh, like the end of the death penalty for blasphemy and apostasy laws, breaking down the Chinese Internet firewall so the Chinese people can have access to the Internet, uh, amongst a number of other issues. Uh, very quickly, I know it's sold out, but where can people find out more about this uh, movement? Because it's not a one-time event. This is going to be ongoing. 
Uh, it will. We'll have monthly Zoom meetings of the people that participate afterwards, and they can go online at irfsummit.com, irfsummit.com. All right, Ambassador Sam Brownback, always great to talk with you. My pleasure, friend. Look forward to seeing you next week. I'll be there. Can't wait. All right, folks, you can find out more. IRF Summit. IRF.summit. Okay? Or go to TonyPerkins.com. Follow the links over. All right, when we come back, our friends at First Liberty scored a victory for religious freedom. A conservative group, a Christian group out of Texas, being denied the uh, their tax-exempt status by the IRS because they were teaching biblical issues surrounding politics. We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. All right, about two months ago, the IRS denied tax-exempt status to a Texas-based Christian nonprofit and said it was disqualified in part because, quote, Listen, I'm quoting. Edu- they educate Christians on what the Bible says in the areas of sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, biblical justice, freedom of speech, immigration, and U.S. and Israel relations, end quote. Among other teachings that, uh, and the, this was the real beef they had, quote, these are typically affiliated with the Republic.
Well, they've come to their senses and reversed course. Here with us to talk more about this is Leah Patterson, counsel at First Liberty Institute. Leah, welcome to Washington Watch. It's a pleasure to be with you. Congratulations. Uh, it looks like they came to their senses and realized they couldn't trample upon the Constitution and discriminate against Christian organizations. Well, thank you. We are very excited to see the IRS bring its decision into conformity with the law and the Constitution. Uh, any explanation uh, in their uh, reversal of their opinion? No, the IRS simply granted the organization's tax-exempt status without further comment, but we are hopeful that, that it means that no other organization that will have to face something like this in the future. You know, what's important about this, and, and I've talked with uh, Kelly Shackelford, who heads up uh, First Liberty, and Michael Berry, and I've talked about this many times, that you have to have someone who's willing to stand up and fight. You have to have a client. You know, many of them will say, look, I don't want to go through all the trouble. It's going to cost me. Uh, it's going to it's going to be bad press. And so I just rather let it go. But when you do that, you you have actually damaged a fundamental freedom. And here by standing up and allowing First Liberty to represent them, uh, the that this freedom, as you point out, for others is being protected and preserved. Well, that's right. We can't do anything without clients, and we are so grateful to everyone who stands up uh, for the legal process to work. That is how our system works, and we are so pleased and grateful to see it work well here. Now, do you, do you expect, Leah, to see more decisions like this from the Biden administration, this, this blatant hostility toward uh, Christian organizations? Well, you know, you can never tell, and we'll just see what happens next. I'm hopeful that the IRS will not do something like this again in the future, but, you know, if anyone is facing something like this, they should give us a call or, or visit our website at firstliberty.org. So this group, Christian Engaged, um, they'll be able to continue their ministry, do what they were doing before their exemption is has been uh, granted. So they don't have to change what they're doing. The, the IRS recognized that uh, they had crossed the constitutional line with their actions? That is correct. Christians Engaged is now recognized as tax exempt. All right. Leah Patterson, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. And uh, again, want to thank uh, all of you over at First Liberty for the outstanding job that you do in defending that first freedom, freedom of religion. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. All right. Leah Patterson with uh, First Liberty. This is important um, because oftentimes we don't want controversy. We don't want the negative press associated with it. And, and, you know, it's going to be costly. Well, this is why groups like First Liberty there, Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, Liberty Council, Pacific Justice, um, and there are others. I'm just those are ones that I work we work with almost on a daily basis. They're there. And, and by the way, folks, I encourage you to support them. If you, you support them, they are good ministries to support. They we're all in this together. They have a different part on the wall. They do the legal stuff. We don't do the legal stuff. We do the policy stuff. We do the communication stuff. Uh, and so we're all in this together. So I encourage you to, to support those ministries so that when people have their freedoms, their first freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of association, uh, attacked by government, restricted, limited, 
that they can stand up and defend it. And I encourage you, if, if you're facing that, you know, we're seeing more and more of this hostility. Look, I know it may be uncomfortable, but stand up and fight for it. It's not just about you. It is about that fundamental freedom that others will benefit from and enjoy. But if we shrink back, because we just don't want the we we don't want the trouble, we don't want the difficulty, we don't want the hassle. Guess what? Guess what? We will lose those freedoms. It's that simple. We only have them because we exercise them, because we use them. So I I encourage you. You know now now here. I do not encourage, promote, support, or condone those who are looking for a fight. All right, don't don't do that. Don't go out looking for a fight. You know, and I and I've there are some folks out there that they're looking for a fight, and I won't help them. Frankly, I won't because I don't think that's what we should do. But if you are the target of a an effort to take away your First Amendment freedom. To, by all means, fight for it. My dad used to tell me, "If son, if you ever get into a fight, I'm going to whip your rear end. If you ever start a fight, you're going to get it when you get home. But they also turn around and said, if you ever run from a fight, you're going to get it when you get home. So don't start anything. Don't run. We must defend our freedoms. All right, speaking of that, coming up next, the left continues to send uh, mixed messages on critical race theory. Some are saying it's not being taught in our schools. Some are proudly saying that they are and they'll continue. And they don't care what the law says. They don't care what parents think. They're going to continue to do it. So which is it? Well, we're going to talk about this with Congressman Dan Bishop after the break. So don't go... What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. 
To watch the Pray Vote Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you again, we have recently launched the Center for Biblical Worldview in which we take a look at issues from a biblical perspective. We take issues such as the sanctity of human life, uh, human sexuality, religious freedom, political engagement. Those publications have already been done. You can uh, stay abreast of the topics that we uh, we tackle and we look through Scripture, through the lenses of Scripture, and, and we that's all it's all in the public uh, or in the publication, rather. So if you'd like more information about that, text the word worldview to 67742. That's 67742, the word worldview. Now, message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to cancel. Help to help. Visit frc.org slash text for terms and conditions of our privacy policy. But text worldview to 67742. Right, the American Federation of Teachers held its uh, TEACH conference yesterday and had a, as a keynote speaker, critical race theorist uh, Ibram X. Kendi. Now, up until a couple of hours ago, in fact, I was getting ready to come into the studio, and uh, they had his talk available to the public for viewing on YouTube. But now the video has been made private. You, you can't see it. But could it be in part because he said in his remarks that, quote, we live in a dangerously racist society? Or could it be that he denied that CRT is being taught in K through 12 schools? Well, uh, with me now to talk about some of the latest news regarding this divisive uh, effort of teaching critical race theory in the classrooms uh, is Congressman Dan Bishop. He represents the 9th Congressional District of North Carolina. Dan, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Good to see you. Good uh, to be back with you. Well, good to good to see you. Glad you are with us. Um, first of all, regarding the claim that this divisive teaching of critical race theory is not in the classrooms in America, how do you respond to that? You know, the left is in disarray about this, Tony. They are changing their answers almost on a daily basis because they are seeing moms and dads across the country coming at them with everything they got. And so the first thing they say, they say it's not being taught. Well, actually, I think the first thing they said, Tony, was 
Those of us such as me who are sponsoring legislation to ban this practice uh, didn't know what CR, what critical race theory is that we, we don't know. And that's the, so you get all their compliant uh, reporters would say that on CNN. We'll try to get somebody and say, well, what is it? And when you just define the thing and then they say it's just an academic doctrine and then they say it's not being taught. But then you see people come out and say it is being taught. Then the union comes forward and said it should be taught. And then I guess the latest is, is uh, the union saying that uh, they'll have they'll litigate to defend teachers who teach it in defiance of bans by state legislatures. They are reeling, Tony. This is one of the best signs I've seen about any culture war controversy. They know they're losing, and they're trying to find some solid ground to plant a flag on. Yeah, this is a classic got their hand caught in the cookie jar and they are trying to, well, there's no cookies in there. Uh, they, they know they have been caught. I've, I've got, um, from the American Federation of Teachers, the president, Randy, uh, Weingarten, um, in a speech, I think that's her name, in a speech before union members, uh, she made two statements and they were contradictory. First, I'm going to play clip number two. The new cultural campaign, some lawmakers and Fox News are using to distort history, limit learning, and stoke fears about our public schools. Let's be clear. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools or middle schools or high schools. Okay. So it's not being, just like you were saying a few moments ago, it's not being taught. But here in the same speech, this is what she said a little bit later, clip number three. Mark my words. Our union will defend any member who gets in trouble for teaching honest history. We have a legal defense fund ready to go, and we are preparing for litigation as we speak. Teaching the truth is not radical or wrong. Distorting history and threatening educators for teaching the truth is what is truly radical and wrong. So they're not teaching it, and that's actually what's being restricted by certain school boards and more legislative bodies are saying you can't teach critical race theory. They're not saying you can't teach the truth or you can't teach history. So why would they need a legal defense fund if they were simply teaching history? They know exactly what they're doing, Tony. Let me make that point, though, crystal clear. They falsely ascribe to these pieces of legislation, including mine, that we're suggesting that someone should not teach history honestly or that it shouldn't teach history, including all of the warts and the racial injustice in the history of the United States. Nothing could be farther from the truth. These bills are quite specific. They don't say anything of that kind. In fact, many of them specifically say that all honest history should be taught. What they say you can't do is this critical race theory. Another term for it is critical social justice. Another term for it is race essentialism, the idea that our society is in current society is inherently racist, that to be white is to be racist and to oppress people of other races or other, if you're male, to oppress women. 
it, that is the poisonous ideology, and they intend to defend it because they intend to inculcate it. And, it, and it, there's one more point I think worth making, Tony. They, they object sometimes say they're, they're saying it's not being taught. In fact, it's being practiced. No, they're not really explaining critical race theory. What they're doing is they're practicing critical race theory. Yep. They're inculcating it among children by imposing these ideas on them. That's what they're doing. That, that, that's an extremely important point because uh, as a theory, it is not being taught as a theory in elementary school classrooms, but it is the framework from which the teachers are teaching. And, you know, if you want to if you want to be broader and use, uh, you know, layman's language, they should not be able to teach the students in public schools to hate America, which is what they are doing. They Absolutely. are, as you said, they're indoctrinating them, inculcating them with a view of America's history that is slanted. As you said, we need to teach it warts and all. But we're still a country that is moving in the right direction, and the rest of the world has benefited from it. And we have done our very best to correct our errors. But what they want to do is only focus on the negative aspects of America, and as we're seeing in the polling, teach young people to hate this country. That's right, Tony. And, and many have correctly observed it is a Marxian theory. It is akin to Marxist uh, Marxism. It's not precisely the same, but the idea is is critical i mean the whole notion of critical theory is to is to foment conflict constantly undermine uh, talk about how bad the country is and our culture is and people are in the culture set groups against one another and it provoke it's, it has an objective to reor- radically reorder society and rights and laws in order to have some utopia emerge that's marxian and that's what yeah. they seek to do But I have another problem, uh, Dan Bishop, with this, and this is the fact that I think the teachers have lost who they work for. They work for the parents. It is the parents who pays the taxes so that they can go in the classroom and teach their children. And now you have teachers who are acting as if they are the ones that control this whole system, and they'll teach your children whatever the heck they want to teach them, and, and you just keep your nose out of the classroom. Exactly true, Tony. That's what they're, they suggest. And we've had, this has been sort of a growing problem over a period of years. It's kind of the way the union shop works, perhaps. But that's correct. The, the, I even saw a New York Times editorial joined in by David French, who at one point in time was a conservative. And they, he, he called these pieces of legislation that seek to ban this practice uh, a speech code. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is not restricting somebody's free speech. This is a question of prescribing curriculum for public schools. State legislatures do that and other regulatory bodies and teachers are their employees and they teach children what those authorities decide as duly elected representatives of the people, what children should be learning. It's not up to them to inculcate uh, ideology to uh, to uh, to be political that's not what they're there for and states are well within their rights to to correct problems like that when they occur those teachers work for the people and, and congressman bishop the, the 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 silver lining here maybe 
is what I what I'm you know I've I've got a almost a, a 20 year uh, perspective here in Washington when I look at these things. This reminds me of uh, 2009 2010 when the Obama administration, Nancy Pelosi was speaker. They pushed through Obamacare even though the American public did not want it. That gave rise to the Tea Party. The Tea Party, we had a, a wave come into Congress in 2010. The Republicans took the majority. I, I see this as, as a Tea Party-type Party movement that goes even deeper because this is at the local level where you have parents going into school boards. I think you're going to have a wave across the nation where parents take back our schools, which is going to have a domino effect city councils, state legislatures, and, and even Congress. I think you're completely right. You know, Tony, if I can, there have been lots of issues that are just fundamentally, they're just astonishing the position that the left is taking. Take the other one, defund the police, as if anybody would have thought that could potentially be a successful political strategy or strategy for managing civic life. But they did that, and people were reacting, and you see in the crime rise through the ceiling. So now they've gone beyond that to say, we're also going to poison the minds of your children in public school, as if that should get them down the road. You are exactly right. There is a building wave, and where the left sees it, and why CNN is all over this and trying to ridicule people, is because they see moms and dads in school board meetings all across the country, moms and dads of all races, Tony, and all genders, uh, uh, telling it to these officials, and in some cases taking them out of their offices by recall. They see this wave building. Let me say this to the moms and dads across this country. Do not pass up this opportunity. This is the time to double down and make yourself heard. And then, of course, as you say, Tony, we've got work to do in 2022. We've got to uh, fan those flames and uh, keep things moving. Um, Congressman Bishop, one one thing I might disagree with you on is that you said this doesn't make sense. It does make sense, you know, defunding the police, pushing this radical ideology in the classrooms. If you're driven by a Marxist ideology, it does make sense. So I get that. And at bottom, Tony, you and I know it is a spiritual war that we see, and we see it in so many different ways. When I say it doesn't make sense, the only thing that I mean is the left is is misunderstanding the American people. In my view, yeah. there is there is a silent ultra majority in the United States, and they have had it up to here, and they're getting ready to speak. Yeah, I, I, I said that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I know you know that, and but but here's the thing, I do I, I do not think they understand the depth of the resistance, just like they did in, in Obamacare. Now, I actually one of your predecessors who was on the other side of the political aisle, I was uh, having dinner with right before the Obamacare passed, and I said, "Doesn't Pelosi realize you guys are going to lose the majority over this?" And he didn't didn't uh, didn't pause, didn't didn't stop. He said. You know what? They do, but they know they'll fundamentally change the country. And then they play that way. But this is our opportunity, as you said, for moms and dads all across this country to push back in a way that I think could 
fundamentally do a course correction for our nation? I see the same opportunity, Tony, but as you and I understand each other, I think the question then that arises, and we had this problem once the 2010 wave occurred, will Republicans find the resolve necessary to meet the needs of the people and to uh, fight back? That, that's, yes. that's the problem. Is the, the left has seen, even when they see these opportunities, to, when, they, when they lose the majority, when these in massive waves They've never quite recovered from 2010. Uh, all the state legislative yeah. offices and governor's offices they lost, and yet it's sort of a one-way ratchet. They they take they consolidate their gains and they move on again with something even more radical. We've got to but stop the, that. But what I've seen, Dan Bishop, is that over the course of time, more conservative members of Congress have come. Republicans who are not Republican in name only. There's still there's still some. You know them. They're they're there. But there's fewer yeah. of them. There's more men and women like you who are motivated by their faith, drawn into this arena because of that. Dan, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. We stand with you and uh, grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. All right, Congressman Dan Bishop of uh, North Carolina. Find out more. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done, every, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.